Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life Self Mastery. And I'm excited to have Christina Lopez, who's the founder of One Health Company, where the main product is PhytoCure. Uh, PhytoCure uh, is a leader in precision medicine for dogs, and the team is committed to the breakthroughs in cancer biology to evolve canine cancer care. PhytoCure delivers advanced diagnostics and information and facilitates access to precision medicines. Uh, they have raised $10 million in financing from Polaris Partners and from Anderson Horowitz, Y Combinator, and Tao Ventures. Christina did a master's in international affairs from Columbia University and, and doctoral coursework from Princeton University. And a big thanks to Amit Kirk from Tao Ventures for the introduction. Uh, welcome to the show, Christina. Thank you for having me, Rohit. Awesome. So you know, uh, I'm. Uh, you know, I understand that you uh, you were in Brazil and then you moved to US. Uh, what got you interested in startups, and what was your initial journey all about? Um, so I've always been very entrepreneurial at heart, and everything I worked on uh, were kind of like a bit obscure problems or problems that uh, were really large unmet needs, but that hadn't really become an asset class or, or kind of very visible. Um, so, you know, I had spent time in women's health. I'd been working in developing countries. I'm from Brazil and always kind of looking to see how could I bring capital and technology and resources to problems that were very worthy, but folks just weren't really, you know, paying attention to. So I've always been that person looking for, you know, I always called it the wedge, you know, something that's not clearly identified. Um, so that's one thing. And then within that, I, you know, I've been a self-starter, that, that kind of spirit. I like creation and um, matched with mission of solving real problems. So that kind of is how, you know, long story short, I, I got to to where I am. And what could you really interested to, you know, solve problems for, uh, for, you know, cancer for dogs and what could you <coughs> get started for Fido Um, Yeah, I think so. My co-founder is a veterinarian. So, you know, kind of the initial, the initial, call it unmet need problem came really from him. What fascinated me was a disconnect on one hand of the role of the dog as a, you know, beyond even best friend now, really family member. And sadly, the insane cancer rates. So one in three dogs will die of cancer. Um, it's the number one disease killer for dogs. So sad. Six million dogs were diagnosed in the U.S. alone last year. And just for context, that's compared to about two million people. So it's, you know, smaller population, much higher rate. So the incidence and prevalence is super high. And when I looked under the hood, I noticed that the type of care that dogs are getting was just really outdated. I would honestly say it was kind of broken, um, really toxic, old-fashioned chemo, uh, very expensive, very expensive, very time-consuming. And on the other hand, um, you know, most of the innovation this century, 21st century in oncology, call it like, you know, any species, uh, especially well, mostly for humans, right, um, 
has canine data because most of the therapies were tested on dogs. These were probably lab dogs, not, you know, pet dogs that I'm talking about, but still dogs. So part of me thought, hey, could we shift the dog from a subject, you know, that's being tested on in this cutting edge R&D into a patient so they actually benefit from it, right? So really closing this arc. So that's that's kind kind of got me excited and gets me excited every day. Got it. And uh, you know how, how how do you go about bringing you know cancer care for dogs? Uh, what are the phases that you know uh, care works on? Sorry, can you say it one more time? Yeah. Uh, uh, how do you go about bringing you know cancer care? Uh, uh, what are what are the phases in which you work uh, so it becomes uh, you know curable for dogs? So, um, you know, cancer is, uh, is a really tough disease to tackle, right? In the humans or any species, very multifactorial, right? There, there are genetic components, there are environmental components, immunological components, uh, nutrition. I mean, just so much. So we are focused on um, at the molecular genomic level and bringing in really personalized medicine or precision medicine from the point of view that's been, you know, widely accepted in the scientific body, which is that, um, you know, every patient is unique and sadly so is every cancer. So we really go into, to instead of generic or one size fits all treatments, really try to see what's driving that dog's uh, cancer at the molecular level. So we do a DNA test of the tumor, just like, you know, one would at a top cancer uh, center for humans. And then with the results, we analyze the results and we see what are um, potential therapies from targeted therapies. So again, very 21st century approach uh, where they are what they sound like targeted, meaning if chemo radiation kind of zap um, the tumor and the bad cells, but they also zap good cells, Targeted therapies are much more intended to go at what may be driving the cancer. And so we help enable um, those therapies for dogs. And we think the beauty of what we're doing is that because dogs are much more genomically clustered, like because think of breeding, right? So all these breeds, uh, while on one hand, you know, we love certain physical and personality traits that come from the breeds, it also breeds cancer. Uh, but that gives us an opportunity to use these tools that have been developed in a much more efficient way than even maybe, it might just be that this helps dogs even more than humans because, um, you know, humans, as we know, are so heterogeneous. Um so dogs are 10,000 times more homogeneous than humans. So we can really use these tools in a much more effective way. Um, and our aim is to, you know, basically turn around cancer from a death sentence into, you know, a manageable disease. Interesting. You know, how many, how many dog patients have you worked for uh, uh, in, you know, in, in the past? So to date, 1,135 patients, um, and that's since January uh, of uh, 2019. So uh, we have, we're working in the U.S. Uh, we have some folks that are, uh, you know, France, Mexico, Canada, 
but mostly U.S. for now. And we are working with 30% of the U.S. veterinary oncology community, which is great. Um, and so, you know, we hope to do much more as we generate data and, and get our results out there. Um, and, and are there any positive results for the dogs uh, since you've been using the the sequencing of uh, of you know of the human uh, trial? So, I'm wondering, you know, are there any positive results? Oh yes. Um, so you know, our early data in uh, one of the biggest um, disease, you know, cancer uh, tumor types for dogs is called hemangiosarcoma, or some will call it, you know. Uh, cancer in the spleen or splenic cancer. It's very aggressive in dogs. Um, there's a human corollary, you know, cancer called angiosarcoma. And in dogs, uh, this disease state, we, um, it's again, really interesting to us because it is aggressive, prolific, and there were, there are not many tools. There's not much, you know, it's a real unmet need, maybe the largest unmet need in veterinary medicine. And we are able to, when we enroll the patients and genomically characterize the tumor and then are able to add targeted therapies, our early data uh, indicates that we can help patients live longer and with higher quality of life. Interesting. And, you know, what is the average cost today for, for cancer treatments for dogs? And what is, what is, uh, how much, what is the cost for Fido Cure if somebody takes uh, your option? Um, great question. So, um, cancer care for dogs is sadly quite expensive. Um, care credit here in the US uh, quotes on their website that it's between um, six and $10,000 on average. Um, which can be pretty, you know, pretty uh, weighty. And so what we aim to be is we, we partner with the clinics. So they ultimately are the ones who price, but our aim is to be at the bottom or lower than the average chemo price. Mailman is an email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions and making your days calmer and more productive. You can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan, uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM. Is there any model uh, about treatment or do you also uh, you know, uh, earn income from you know, prescribing and from, from, from other diagnostic tests and all that? I wonder to understand what is the revenue model? The what, sorry? Uh, what is the revenue model behind uh, Fido Cure? I want to, I, uh, Christine, I wanted to understand what is the what is the revenue model, and uh, you know, have have Fido Cure made any revenues in the past past year or so? Sorry, I lost you there a couple of times, but I, I think I heard you. So the revenue model, um, yeah. So um, so we essentially we. Um, we're paid uh, B2B by the clinic. So that's, oh, that's okay. one, one angle. And uh, we have a test and then we provide access to the therapy. So we, we enable that access through a pharmacy partner. Um, and so we essentially, um, you know, for, for all of this kind of end-to-end -end, um, and support and education, 
we collect uh, two different um, two different fees. All right, and you know what? Are, what are your customer acquisition channels? If I may, about how did you get the like, get the you know uh, patients? Are you are you focusing more on B two B channels, or are you looking at you know B two C channels as well to get uh, more customers? Um, yeah, we definitely use both channels because um, it's just really powerful, right? For you know, pet parents, this is their baby, so they're they're huge advocates. Um, so it's really important, and they're looking for information. And then it's also super important to support and equip um, the clinicians, right, who are really the frontline heroes. Um, you know, even amidst COVID, uh, going to the clinic and taking care of these most vulnerable patients. So both are really important and education goes a long way, right? This is a new paradigm. It's not new for humans. It's pretty proven in, in humans, but it is new for veterinary medicine. So we, um, you know, really try to, to do as much as we can in terms of thought leadership and, um, and education to, to the clinicians, so to the clinic. Right, and um, you know, uh, you have a very interesting model. But uh, are there other competitors in your space? Not with the approach that we've taken, because we're almost like you know, in the human, like equivalent in the human space would be like foundation medicine, uh, you know, like a, a really full one-stop uh, precision medicine approach. Um, there are folks who do just the test. Um, you know, the key thing, though, is for us, because we had a first mover advantage and we're collecting the data of the patient journey so copiously, we really can learn and almost have a, we have a continuously learning, um, you know, cancer care system. So we start to see what works, what doesn't work, what are the characteristics, and basically we can then evolve the entire journey um, adapted to that and and. And our space has been really a uh, space where the information is limited and they're really low numbers. So, uh, you know, there are studies and things and by really top folks and top universities, but they're just kind of like small numbers, right? Where we're coming in with, um, you know, one poster we presented at the Veterinary Cancer Society we're looking at, you know, 455 patients and clinical, um, you know, like safety um, indicators. And then another uh, conference, AACR, which is one of the top for human cancer, actually, we looked at uh, 822 um, canine uh, cancer patients and, you know, the characterizations of their tumors. So we're just doing things at such bigger scale and learning so quickly so we can iterate that it kind of puts us in a perpetual first mover advantage as long as we keep this flywheel going. All right. And I uh, wanted to understand, you know, who, who else is in your team since you've uh, raised the money and what is the money to be used for? Uh, I mean, number one, number one for the science, because with that, right, we can um, show our results, our data, and then that helps build trust and move us towards standard of care. And um, so that's a really big, big need. We obviously awareness, right? Folks have to know you exist. So that's a pretty big, um, a pretty big component. Uh, so between just the 
the scientific body, the credibility and awareness that that's like the bulk of it. Um, and then, of course, you know, we're based in Silicon Valley, so we're very aware of user journeys and, you know, delighting the customer and, and making it just, you know, something easy and intuitive. So we're constantly trying to improve the the client experience, um, especially at the clinic where they're so overloaded and doing so many things. So we're super mindful, right, of how can we make this be as close to the clinic workflow as possible. Got it. And, uh, 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 you know, since we're in the midst of the COVID, uh, wonder to understand, you know, how do you, how do you look at imposter syndrome and self-doubt because you're all uh, working from home and you know there are a lot of challenges and uh, and how do you how do you uh, remedy it because uh, of uh, you know once you once you run a business that there, there, there could be a lot of self-doubt and you know you know a lot of listeners are looking to build uh, the companies on their own what, what do you think about imposter syndrome and self-doubt today i mean definitely isolation right everything in a vacuum is tougher and it's we do miss that feedback loop of having folks, you know, giving us feedback with the team, right? There's some energy in that, that everyone working from home, it gets tougher. Um, I feel personally lucky in a way that I'm very surrounded by a community. I mean, that is why we are here um, in terms of founders. And so I'm, I'm quite in touch and, and I feel supported. Um, by our own little kind of pod and so that's been super great and then building an incredible team feels super supportive but we are you know we are a distributed team so we have folks everywhere and some folks in places where you know they there's more isolation yeah we really worry because if you're feeling isolated you might it's interesting you say imposter syndrome I hadn't thought of it like that but I could see how folks could feel just disconnected right and kind of like what do, what do we you know and lose a little bit the the inspiration that you get from being more you know tightly in community and having feedback loops and connected so um it's really interesting how you framed it i don't know if i have a solution but i guess just you know try to uh amid social distance try to create other ways to connect and i think uh imposter syndrome uh could be could be an issue for for a lot of younger founders also because uh, they they're always rethinking themselves about what they have achieved and should they be in the right place and all. So that's why you know I thought of you uh, since you 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 mean accomplished operator. So I thought uh, you know be right frame to talk about it. Uh, so uh, you know I quickly want to do the top three. What's your what's your favorite business book? So it's really funny because I have not read that many business books in my life. <laughs> Um, so I just really haven't, um, I come from a more, um, you know, literature background. And so I would say that I'm very inspired by folks who had different paradigms of thinking. Today I have an interesting stat for you to denote that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by 10x. They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash socialpilot to get a 14-day free trial. I love this author, Emerson. It's an American author. 
and his, um, you know, if I fail today, I'll succeed tomorrow. He's full of the, he's from the um, um, 1800s and really gave this kind of backbone philosophically for the United States to create and build and just so fresh. Um, and so there's, you know, I, I love, there's like a bunch of philosophers and writers that I'm quite into um, in terms of getting inspiration. And actually I studied Hegel, which is a German philosopher and he, he was very much into um, community and building mutually rec recognizing community, meaning you're not really you unless you're reflected by another, like, you know, um, that, that, that interaction. So, so much of this I find in some ways in, in where I live and in the community that we're building. Um, so those things really guide me. And then in terms of, um, I did Y Combinator and I loved it and I found it life-changing as a founder. So, you know, I use kind of that as very much as a repertoire and, and different folks who write blogs and things out of that community. Interesting. And uh, do you have any uh, favorite online tools, example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom? Um, I mean, we use all of the above a lot. Um, we specifically manage a lot of the cancer journey through Airtable, which is a unique case use case for Airtable. I don't think there's, they have probably, you know, whole end-to-end um, -end cancer journeys other than ours in there as a use case. So that's been really interesting. And we initially were going to build database ourselves and then, you know, actually even put money behind it and we could just take this off the shelf. I mean, we will run, you know, run out of space and, you know, kind of we're maybe already flirting with that, but um, hey, it's been really good, right? To just start a company and be able to, do so much with something off the shelf. Kudos for Airtable. All right, we'll put that in the show notes. And uh, you know, if you go back in time when you started working on Fido Cure, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? I think I would have, you know, gotten. I wasn't as attuned to what a movement this is for pet parents and their passion. That's something we almost stumbled into. Um, I think there is more, so much there and so much uh, education and such an opportunity um, to make this be, to, to, to bring all these different voices together of stakeholders and really do team-based medicine, bringing in the pet parent themselves too. So um, I think this community and um, just really making it a movement from day one I, I would have gone even more in that direction. Got it. Uh, um, Krishna, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about uh, Phytocure? Uh, Phytocure.com. That's easy, easy peasy. Throw in something in a chat, ask, talk to me. I'll be right there and uh, happy to help uh, in, in any way. Uh, congrats, many congratulations on, on raising uh, you know, $10 million and um, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate speaking to you. Thank you very much. I, I have to hop. I have a, another call, but thank you. Take care, Rohit. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. 
For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.